TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. Well, welcome to another show, guys. Uh, This morning we've woken up all ready to record and our neighbours have uh, decided to take part in some primal exercise. Uh, So they've decided to do their roof renovations today. So if there's a little bit of banging or uh, noise in the background, we're just going to mow through it and do the best we can. So let's get on with it. Today's guest discovered and adopted a new dietary lifestyle modelled after the paleo diet back in 2010. His motivation for doing this stemmed from a number of factors, but was largely due to his desire to get back to his primal roots and become less domestic. We know how easy it is to get overwhelmed in the kitchen. Not all of us are natural master chefs able to whip up a gourmet and paleo-friendly feast in a jiffy. But what's really cool about Russ is that on his newfound path towards a better way of eating, he discovered a solid theme, and that was the tons of delicious, healthy dishes out there, all nestled in the pages of history ready for us. So he discovered that he didn't need to invent new meals to stay compliant with his diet, but instead could just look back into our past to find dishes that are naturally tasty and nutritious because they were developed in a time before a processed foods. The great news is, if he can do it, we can do it. So Russ observed that many of us have lost touch with our roots and some of our most important traditions like hunting, gathering and preparing our food. Dissatisfied with the alarming number of people who don't know where our food comes from or how to prepare it, other than taking it out of a box and popping it into the microwave, uh, he decided to reconnect with nature by chronicling his cooking adventures. Today's show is for all of you that love to be inspired by food and find joy in simple, uncomplicated pleasures. Today's guest not only has buckets of awesome practical information that we can incorporate right away to improve our daily lives, he is also a critically acclaimed food blogger and author of The Ancestral Table. This amazing cookbook is a compendium of deliciousness and it has over 100 classic and traditional recipes for a gluten-free whole foods lifestyle and it provides us with the tools we need to approach cuisine in a way that is healthful without sacrificing taste. I cannot wait to find out more from Russ about the useful information he's discovered. So without further ado, let's introduce and welcome to the show the domestic man, Russ Crandall. Hi, everyone. So that's got to be the best intro ever. You guys are so good at your intros. Um, I was listening to a few podcasts beforehand, and yeah, you guys really nail it with the intro, so I really appreciate that. Oh, it's our pleasure, Russ. It's, uh, Russ, it's so easy to be inspired um, You know, when we're surrounded with um, like-minded people that just get us all excited in the best ways. So, no, thank you. <laughs> Russ, you've got a pretty epic story and um, you've certainly overcome some giant hurdles. Can you start us off today by telling our listeners a bit about your background? Sure. So, um, <clears throat> I guess the, the most relevant point is that uh, so around... Um, 
18 or so when I got my first job, I started working at some restaurants and I worked in, uh, as a line chef in a couple restaurants for, for a couple of years. Uh, and then when I turned 20, uh, I joined the, the U.S. Navy and I'm still in the Navy. It's been about 14, 15 years since then. Um, and so about 10 years ago when I was uh, 25 or so, uh, out of nowhere, I, I had a stroke. Um, I lost all function on my left side and, you know, just woke up one, one day and half my body wasn't working. And, uh, it took a while for the doctors to figure out what was going on, but they figured out that I was having some sort of stroke, um, and that, you know, some, some blockage was occurring in my brain. So, uh, they couldn't really figure out how it happened. So they just basically, um, put me on physical therapy and within a few months, since I was so young, I actually relearned everything again. So I learned how to, how to walk, how to write, all those kind of things. Uh, and then about a year later, uh, I had more issues. I started uh, getting really out of breath, having a really hard time exercising. Um, it got to the point where I had even trouble walking before I was out of breath. So I went back to the hospital, uh, and they figured out I was having some sort of blockage in my pulmonary arteries. So what they did from there is a bunch of tests. I lived in hospitals, um, kind of traveling all over, you know, from one hospital to the next, trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, they finally figured out that I probably had an autoimmune disease that was causing inflammation in my pulmonary artery, and, and it was getting so inflamed that I wasn't getting enough blood to my lungs. So um, they immediately put me on a, a ton of um, medicines, you know, a whole cocktail of different pills. Uh, so I was taking about 15 pills a day, having to inject them into my stomach, uh, all sorts of really unfun things. Um, so I, I did that for about a year and I was really having a hard time. I was gaining all sorts of weight because I was on high dose steroids. Um, I was, you know, on a lot of heavy immunosuppressants. So I really couldn't like even go out in the sun. I couldn't do all these kind of things. And it was just really a really low quality of life for being 26, 27 years old. Uh, so I asked the doctors, you know, is there anything else we can do to fix this? And they said, oh, sure, you know, we can cut you open and fix your artery and see if that'll work. And so I said, okay, well, you know, if that's my only option, then I'm going to go with that. And so I, I elected to have a, a very drastic surgery done, which is called the pulmonary thromboendarterectomy. Uh, and what they did is they, they basically opened my chest up, um, rerouted my internal organs, they drained most of the blood out of my chest cavity and body, and then they fro froze the body so that they could get into the um, pulmonary section and, and basically resection my pulmonary artery by cutting it open, scraping out all the inflamed tissue, and then putting it all back together with a little piece of uh, some cow's uh, pericardium in order to make it a little bigger again. So they put me all back together, you know, put all the blood back in and uh, rose me from the dead, so to speak. I was about 10, 10 hours dead. Um, so they brought me back uh, and within two weeks, uh, my artery had just shrunk right back to where it used to be um, because they didn't fix any of the systemic inflammation that was going on in my body. So uh, that was kind of a hard pill to swallow, if you can imagine, um, you know, taking this really kind of drastic gamble with my life and finding out that uh, it really didn't make any difference at all other than I've got a pretty cool scar on my chest. Uh, and so from there, uh, I did about three years of the same medicines, you know, just kind of figuring that this is how life is going to be, you know, uh, always trying out new medicines with the doctors and stuff, but nothing really was working. And then one day I happened to um, come across a food blog and I, you know, I've always been into food and I've always loved cooking and stuff. So I, I read a lot of blogs back then. And one mentioned that there was this new crazy diet called the Paleo Diet based off this book by Rob Wolf called The Paleo Solution uh, that had just come out and 
that it was able to reverse autoimmune symptoms. So I didn't I didn't read anything beyond that. I said, okay, well, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to go buy this book and I'm going to try it out. I hadn't even at that point I hadn't even considered that food would have any sort of influence on my health at all. So uh, I bought the book, read it in a couple days, and then switched my diet immediately. Uh, and I haven't haven't looked back since. Basically, so within a month, um, all of my uh, blood work and all that kind of stuff fell drastically i was i was feeling normal again uh all my all my test results were showing that i was doing well um and so my doctors agreed to let me start weaning off my medications and so it's been a little over three years since then and from from this cocktail of 15 pills that i was doing before i'm now down to just one more medication that i'm on before i wean off and so it's been, you know, you can imagine it's had a very profound effect on my health. You know, I've regained a lot of, of the things I thought I had lost. I started feeling normal again. I lost all that weight I had gained. Um, you know, just little issues like sleep and all those other kind of things that really were being affected by the medicine uh, just stopped bothering me. So um, it was really kind of cool, really profound impact on me. And immediately after changing my diet, I decided I wanted to start a blog and start writing about it and start writing about the foods that I was preparing in order to uh, feel better. And that's basically where my website came from. That's awesome, Russ. That's that's an amazing story and an amazing journey. Um, one of the things I'm curious about, uh, we, we often hear people talk about these changes they've made and how they've been able to go off medications and those sort of things. And, and sometimes they find that that their medical practitioners can be a bit skeptical about the changes, about whether it's a healthy thing to do and, and whether, in fact, it, it is going to make any difference. You know, How did you find that with, with your medical practitioners, with your doctors, when you said, look, I'm going to change this diet, and then later on when you said, hey, I'd like to start cutting back some of the medications, how did they respond? How did that go for you? Well, so it's... Uh uh, it's funny because I'm also in the in the U.S. military medical system, which is even more conservative than than your <laughs> yeah. typical medical system. Definitely. So, uh, you know, initially when I said, you know, I'm going to change my diet, uh, they said, well, you know, you're going to be missing out on all sorts of nutrients because of bread. And I said, well, I'll take that chance, you know. And they said, well, it can't hurt, so go ahead and try it. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm seen by a, a number of doctors depending, you know, I'm uh, depending on what issue is going on. So I'm seen by a pulmonologist to, to talk about my lung function. I'm, I'm seen by a rheumatologist to, to get my med- medicine cocktail down, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so the rheumatologist, surprisingly, has been the one who's been most on board with it. Uh, and I've switched them over the years just because with the military system, we get new doctors every few years because everyone's transferring all the time. Uh, but initially, yeah, they were like, well, you're in a, you're in a medicine-induced remission is what they used to tell me. And I said, well, it's, it's very uh, convenient that it happened <laughs> the same time I changed my diet, you know. Um, but now, you know, I have, I have a doctor who's actually really, really receptive. Um, I gave him a copy of the book and he really loved it. You know, he thought it was a really cool idea. Um, yeah, so overall, it's, it's slowly been warming up to them because they, they're just kind of waiting for me to have a flare-up. And, I, you know, in three and a half years now, I have not had a flare-up. So uh, I think that they are really kind of coming to an understanding. I don't know if they're changing their practice because of it, but uh, they really have kind of given me some credit for it, which is kind of cool. Um, Russ, in, in your book, you talk a little bit about um, paleo gray area foods. Um, mm-hmm. c- can you tell us a little, little bit more, uh, perhaps our listeners, about what those foods are that you've touched on and, and your stance on uh, where, where you sit with regards to someone who's maybe um, their introduction was extremely strict paleo um, and how these grey grey paleo foods can, be, can, can actually work for people? 
Sure. So that's a great question. Um, so that's one of the big things I really wanted to promote with my book was the fact that, you know, uh, the paleo diet is really a, a template and that uh, even during Paleolithic times, people were eating a wide variety of foods and still surviving and some thriving, you know. So uh, in my own kind of personal journey, I found that uh, eating this strict um, kind of Whole30 style of paleo or squeaky clean paleo, which they like to call sometimes, uh, I found that it didn't really work well for me. Uh, I was having a really hard time uh, getting satisfaction out of my meals. It's really hard to get enough carbs from sweet potatoes all the time. So I was really struggling with that. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, um, I got to look around. There's got to be other ways around it. And so I found that incorporating white rice and white potatoes, which are um, uh, kind of factors that are, you know, a bit of gray area of foods because some people think that um, since they weren't eaten in the Neolithic or in the Paleolithic, they're they're um, not allowed to be in the Paleo diet. There's other people that say, you know, the blood sugar um, spikes are, are too much and that kind of thing. And I found, you know, it's just an individual tolerance that I think works best. So, in incorporating rice and potatoes and even a little bit of dairy into my diet, I found that um, not only did it help to to balance my uh, diet overall, and I felt more. Um, you know, kind of alert and, and more satisfied, but it also made a, a really profound impact on me in the fact that uh, I didn't feel like cheating anymore. You know, as after I started eating these foods, which were so satisfying, I found that uh, I, d- I wasn't craving anything afterwards. You know, I, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, I really wish I had a hamburger with a bun or something like that. I was finding that as I ate rice with my meal, you know, as a part of a, a full meal, uh, I was completely good. I didn't have any, you know, sugar cravings, anything like that, which was really uh, something I struggled with before then. So I, I found that that you know all the arguments that that people like to make you know is that you know white rice doesn't have many nutrients in it white potatoes don't have many nutrients in it um i found that it's it's a better alternative to to eat rice into my diet which may not be as nutrient dense as liver or something like that but if that's what keeps me on a diet and that makes it so that i can sustain a diet then that's much more helpful than trying to eat a squeaky clean kind of style of paleo and then falling off the wagon every 3 weeks mm-hmm. so so that was kind of my big idea was that, well, you have to find what works for you and incorporating these foods, as long as you have uh, an okay tolerance of them, then may be actually more beneficial for you. That's fantastic. And I love your big idea, Russ. I'm so excited about where paleo is at the moment and the fact that there's all these healthy conversations about, you know, looking at our, our individual differences and, and making sure that we're eating to nourish those and be the best that we can be as individuals rather than having to, you know, be stuck to some stringent uh, guideline of what is and is not paleo. So it's really cool that we can talk about it. Um, I'm really keen to hear more about the the domestic man. You, you spoke about, um, you know, the the history of food and that you're interested in all of that. Can you can you tell us about the domestic man himself? Sure. So, um, you know, so I already mentioned that I'm in the Navy and I've spent a lot of time traveling the world, especially in the Pacific. So, uh, for all the Australian listeners, I um I actually went to training in Canberra for several months. Um, living there when it was pretty awesome. I've traveled all around Australia and, and Southeast Asia. I'm also a, I'm a Russian linguist is my is my main job, but I'm also an Indonesian linguist. So I spent a lot of time traveling, uh, and as I was traveling, I've, I you know I I kind of latched on to uh, local cuisines while I was while I was out and about, and I realized that. 
these foods are really tasty and they, they're foods that have been cooked for a long time. Um, and so even before switching to paleo, I really liked international cuisine and, and kind of looking at classic and traditional foods that people have been cooking for a long time ahead of time. Not really from a health factor, but just from the idea that, well, if somebody's been cooking this dish for hundreds of years, then it's going to be a really good dish. You know what I mean? Um, and so once I started up my blog and started cooking things, I realized that I didn't need to reinvent the wheel every single time that I, I came in front of the stove. You know, I realized that uh, I didn't have to make a sweet potato, ground beef, kale surprise kind of meal. I could actually look and see what other dishes other countries have done. And so being that I am a translator by nature, I'm, I'm very comfortable with working with foreign languages. So I, I love to go onto the internet and, and search in foreign languages for these other dishes and try to find these uh, other foods to cook and things like that. And that's really kind of the theme behind my website now. And so, uh, Russ, what's been your most sort of unusual discovery? Like what's been the one sort of recipe you found that was kind of a bit of a traditional unusual recipe that turned out to be really good? Uh, so there's one dish that's it's also in my book, and I have it on the website as well. It's a Kenyan dish called Sukuma Wiki, and it's a um, it's a ground beef. And it's funny, I just made fun of of sweet potatoes, ground beef, and kale, but this is a ground beef and collard greens recipe. And collard greens are like a a flat cabbage. They're 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 really hard to find in Australia, but they're all over in the U.S. and the U.K. Um, but so basically it's just uh, – it's a combination of many household spices that a lot of people already have in their pantry uh, to include things like ginger, ginger and fennel and cinnamon and turmeric and things like that. But when they're put together in a combination, which is actually just e- equal parts of all those spices, uh, it comes together to this really kind of exotic taste. And so I really love this, this dish just because I didn't have to actually go out and buy all these fancy ingredients or try to convince people they need to go to some – you know ethnic market to go and buy these kind of things. They actually had everything at home and still can make something that's really kind of exotic tasting in the comfort of their own home. Um, Russ, with uh, the ancestral table, um, what I really enjoyed about it is the accessibility. You know, I felt like as a guy with, with not a lot of experience, I could step into the kitchen and have a crack at the stuff that you've, that you've put together. And um, I'm I'm interested to know for our listeners, what is it that you feel about your book um, that separates it um, in the in the field of paleo recipe books? So uh, there's a couple things I did definitely deliberately when writing the book. Um, besides the idea of introducing some gray area foods, and then at the end of the book providing a substitution guide for anyone who actually does want to eat squeaky clean paleo, but still those recipes. So that was one factor I wanted. But um, another main one was that I wanted to uh, kind of include a lot of recipes that were um, both international and both uh, really comforting. Mm. And so I, I included a lot of things that people may not have heard, but then uh, heard of. But then also I included a lot of things that they grew up eating. So I wanted to find the balance there. And I think the, the third factor to it was that I wanted to write an intermediate level cookbook. So. Um, the idea behind it was that you know several books have already been on the market for several years. You know things like Practical Paleo and Make It Paleo, and um, you know a couple other ones like that. Against All Grain. These these books have have very simple and easy, uh, fast ways of making recipes, which I think is great. Um, but I wanted to create a book for people who have already cooked through those books and are looking to step up their game a little bit. So I, I definitely wrote it with a, a little bit more of an intermediate level in mind, but I think it's. There's a lot more satisfaction involved when you when you cook at a higher level and you you're making these really you know kind of um, profound tastes in the kitchen you know and really focusing and stuff like that. So that 
was definitely uh, the third main idea behind the book. Yeah, I love it, Russ. And I just love the whole concept. You know, I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit more about this whole domestic man idea. Like, I love the analogy that, you know, I always say when we look at animals in the zoo, for example, you know, if they're not going well, if they're not very healthy, then we don't blame their, their genes or their, you know, germs or whatever. Like, we know it's their environment. We know that the closer we can sort of replicate their natural environment, then the better they tend to do. And it's kind of applying that same concept to, to people, isn't it? I mean, do you want to talk a bit more about that, that sort of domestic man idea and, and I guess how yeah. this incorporates your thinking in regards to not just food, but I guess the rest of your lifestyle as well? Sure. So, um, you know, it's funny. I actually had come up with this idea of the domestic man before even going paleo. It's just so funny that it all kind of came mm-hmm. together in the end. Cool. Um, but so the biggest thing for me was that, yeah, that humankind uh, in in essence has become domesticated. We no longer are in connection with our, our nature. And, um, you know, it, you see it a lot in these paleo books and stuff where they talk about the fact that uh, in the grand scheme of things, in the existence of humankind, uh, only the Neolithic is just a tiny fraction. You know, it's just the it's the very last stretch of a very long run. Um, and so what, what separates us between those two ideas? And the biggest idea is the fact that we, uh, starting in the Neolithic era, started to control our food sources and control who had the food and who didn't have the food. And so that started the whole idea of an economy and all those kind of things together. So we moved away from hunter-gatherer and started moving towards uh, these farmer societies. And you know, a lot of people see the great stuff that comes out of that, the technology, the fact that I'm speaking with people in Australia right now is pretty awesome. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a downside to that, too. And the fact is that we are so out of touch with our nature, especially here in America. It's, it's just terrible. You know, everyone eats out of boxes. Uh, people don't like to be outside. The idea of hiking is an extreme sport now at this point. You know, things like this is just kind of outside the norm. Contact livestock. We're no longer uh, messing around with dirt anymore. You know, all these kind of simple things. We're not getting enough sun. We're not getting enough sleep. And all those factors kind of come together to this fact that we're, we're living this kind of uh, shunted lifestyle now and we've become domesticated. We, we spend all our time inside buildings uh, and not really having a greater understanding of the world as we know it. And so I really wanted to re- kind of reconnect with nature in building the website. And this is pre-paleo. You know, I just wanted this idea of, uh, you know, I own a house, I own a little bit of land, and I want to see what I can make out of this. I want to to kind of capture the essence of being within a home in that controlling my food and, and cooking everything, uh, you know, from scratch and that kind of stuff. And then outside, I wanted to be able to start growing my own food and kind of t- kind of reconnecting with nature. And so that was my idea. The whole idea of the domestic man was a tongue-in-cheek statement of the fact that we are domesticated. Uh, and I am still here at home cooking all these things, but at the same time, I'm using it to kind of reconnect with our culture, ancestry, and all those kind of things mixed together. That's fantastic. And it's so cool to hear about how one person can change their lives through reconnecting with nature. And we know how powerful it is. So it's wonderful to hear about it. Russ, I'm really interested on your take about, um, I was looking through your website and I know that you put up new recipes for us every Tuesday. And I was really actually um, refreshingly surprised you don't have any dessert recipes listed. (laughs) So um, I think sometimes now, now, when you look at paleo, there's a lot of, you know, the paleo breads and the paleo cakes and the paleo puddings. How come you don't have any dessert up there? So that's a, that's a good uh, question. So, um, 
Yeah, so I, I think that there is plenty uh, for people to choose from out there already. And so I don't feel like I should contribute to this idea of desserts and that kind of thing, too. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with desserts. We eat desserts. We just go to other people's websites to get their <laughs> recipes first, you know. Um, and, and to be honest, there's, there's several factors involved. Number one is I hate baking. I don't like, uh, I don't like using the oven. I feel like I'm out of con- – like I'm not – in control of the food, you know, and so I don't know what's going to happen when I mix together some flours and oil and all that kind of stuff and throw it in the oven. I don't know what's going to come out next. So that's just not something that works well with me. So that was one reason. And the other fact is that I really just wanted to promote these um, really wholesome, nutrient-dense and traditional foods. Um, And I realized that if I did cupcakes and things like that, I'd definitely get a lot of attention uh, and get a lot of followers and stuff like that. But I realized early on that that wasn't something I wanted to promote with my diet. So um, I should mention also, I do have about six dessert recipes in my book, but that was uh, the result of a lot of arm twisting from (laughs) my wife as well as from uh, one of my best friends, Jang, who helped me uh, design and photograph the book, who's also a native Australian. He's from Melbourne. Um, And so... You know, the three of us came together and said, okay, we, we got to at least have some recipes, but uh, they had to be on my terms. So, for example, I do have a cake recipe in my book, uh, but it's, there's only one recipe, you know. And, and I, my favorite quote from, from that recipe is, says that this is an everyday cake, but it's not an everyday cake, you know. <laughs> it's, this, it's this idea that uh, desserts are, you know, definitely something you can be eating. And if that's something that you need in order to help you transition to a healthier lifestyle, then I, I understand that side of things. It's just that uh, for me personally, I, I like to find that satisfaction in other foods. And I think that if you find something that's really delicious as a main course, you, you won't be left uh, wanting a dessert afterwards. So. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's so true, Russ. Um, if, you, if you check out, you know, do, if you're absolutely new to paleo and you do a Google search and you, or you go to a recipe and you actually consumed your diet based on the quantity of what you saw on the internet, you, you could be mistaken for thinking that pra, uh, paleo is made up of, uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, sweets and things like that that we're trying to paleoify um, those traditional desserts. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a cool approach you've taken. Um, I was curious, Russ, um, you've, uh, if you could tell us a little bit about what, you, what you've been up to um, recently and, and what uh, is happening with you uh, down the track. Um, if you could tell us a little bit about Paleo FX, your experience there, and, uh, and what you've got planned in the next couple of months. Sure. So, uh, so the biggest thing uh, that I've obviously been working on for the past couple of years is this book that you know that finally came out about two months ago, uh, and I'm I'm just so happy that it's out in the wild. You know, we, we, I literally spent at least two years, and then several years prior to that, just kind of conce- conceiving the idea. You know. Um, so that that was finally done in February, and so to to celebrate the kind of release of that, I, I did a tour. Uh, since I have a day job, I couldn't obviously take a bunch of time off work, so I did it over the weekend. So every weekend, I went to a new uh, area of the northeast of uh, the United States. So you know, I went up to Boston, went to New York, um, went to Virginia, things like that, and just kind of traveled around the East Coast and, and did a bunch of signings. And um, it was a lot of fun. I, I finished that up about three weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, I went to Paleo Effects, which was in Austin, Texas. And um, 
that was my second year attending. Uh, this year it was it was a little different because I also uh, I, I, did, I did a presentation talking about how we can implement traditional foods into a paleo cuisine, uh, as well as I did a cooking demo of the Sukuma Wiki dish I was describing earlier, and then I also had a book signing. Uh, along the way as well. So I was a little more busy this time around. I didn't have much time to sit down and really listen to everyone else speak. But I was just amazed by how many people were involved. So last year's Paleo Effects was mostly people from Austin as well as food bloggers who all kind of swarmed in together to kind of hang out with each other. This year around, um, everyone was there. You know, there's people that had traveled internationally. There was people that had traveled all over from the United States to be in Texas for, for just this one weekend. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was probably double the people that were there last year. So there was around 800 people this time around. Wow. Really crowded. A ton of vendors. So many people excited and, and from all different kind of walks of life. It was really kind of neat to be there. Wow. Well, I know that we definitely can't wait to uh, keep a, keep an eye on uh, everything that you've got going on, Russ. We um, love the book and we love what you're about. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. Just thank be- you. Thanks for having me on. Just before we um, go, if you, like us, need a bit of help demystifying uh, some of those daunting cooking techniques or you just love preparing and eating amazing food, make sure you do get your hands on some of the best time-tested recipes that incorporate wholesome, rewarding, nutrient-rich ingredients. Um, go and get yourself a copy of The Ancestral Table and that's Russ's contemporary take on paleo eating and it's a must for any primal home. Uh, the easiest way to get your hands on it is to go either to Amazon or you can check out Russ's website which is thedomesticman.com and click on the cookbook link to find out more. While you're there, uh, take a look at all of his ridiculously good recipes. As we mentioned, he does post new ones every Tuesday so the inspiration is uh, free-flowing and uh, check out his blog and sign up for his newsletter also. Uh, Other ways you can keep up to date with Russ are by liking The Domestic Man on Facebook and following him on Twitter and Instagram. As always, we hope you all enjoyed the show as much as we did. Make sure you tell us what you think. And until next week, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Share your story and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.